Yo, what up though? Welcome. How y'all feeling? To IGP Quick Takes. Inspire guys, people. I'ma just give y'all a little something real quick. Like, you know. Been here for a minute, man. It's kind of like a freestyle, but in the form of a podcast. Uh, yeah. Turn me up. Uh, it's gonna be good. I ain't really got time for this. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire Guys People, the podcast where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. This is a quick take, people. Come on. Woo! Today's going to be the epitome of a quick take. We are going to talk about a bunch of topics. I have about six or seven rapid fire topics that I'm going to be dropping jewels on you feel what i'm saying we dropping jewels today that's what i'm feeling like i'm i'm feeling like yo there are a bunch of things that i want to say but i don't want to spend too much time on them these are topics that we may come back to one day and do full episodes on or something like that but the idea today is for you as the listener to be able to catch whatever you can catch as many as you can cuz i think there's going to be some thoughts and some things said today that I believe can literally change your life. You know, people say they want their life changed. They say they want to find their purpose. But it's about how serious you are today. Like, I'm going to find out who are the people that are serious about seeing their life change. I'm a person that believes in the result and fruit, the manifestation of faith. I'm not a person that really likes talking a bunch of stuff that I really ain't trying to do. You feel what I'm saying? That bothers me. Hopefully it bothers you because we are action-oriented people. And today I'm about to give you some practical things that you can literally take. Imagine this. Imagine the jewels is going to be dropping today. I say that humbly. And you catch them and you apply them and your life literally changes. Isn't that amazing? I'll tell you this much. My life has changed doing this podcast, listening to the guests and the interviews. Like there have been things that have been said by other people. And I'm not talking about myself that have literally changed my life. I've heard people say things. I've heard people's experiences. Like, man, I think of something like Vince Rutley's story. We interview him. Uh, he's been in a wheelchair for eight years, still full of faith, still living for God with purpose. Um, Curtis Gilmore you know, shot, I believe, six, five to six times in front of his house. Um, he just started a food truck company. Like, this is why you got to go back if you're a new listener. Go back and check out the episodes that we've done in the past. Um, all the way up back to episode one. I say this every week because it's really important. And I appreciate y'all who actually do. Like, somebody hit me up today. Like, I'm listening to episode 67. And a question, one of the questions we're going to, uh, I'm going to do some Q&A at the end. One of the questions, well, I think I only got one question uh, to cover today, but that question is going to be from someone who listened to a past episode. So I urge you as a new listener, yeah, check me out on this one. You know, do what you got to do. But after this, go back and check out some previous episodes because there's going to be even more jewels that you could pick up. All right. How do we want to do this? What else I got to say before we jump into this? Because we about to... <laughs> It's, it's Jules being dropped today, baby. Uh, what else? Oh, um, upcoming episode on, on Sunday, I believe. This is dropping on a Wednesday. And I know, like, sometimes I don't like saying days and stuff because it puts a time on it. And people, you might be listening to this any day, any time in the future. But this is for my people who listen right when it comes out. 
There's another episode following up uh, this Sunday that's going to be an interview um, that I conducted with an amazing young lady, and that is going to bless you as well. Inspire God's people, we in the process. We just trying to grow, trying to do what God called us to do. Keep me in your prayers. Um, Let's do it. So the first thing I want to talk about is the process itself, right? We are actually approaching three years in just about four or five days on this podcast. Like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, we would not be here without you, man. I appreciate it so much. And look, here's, here's what I've learned as we talk about the process. My life has changed quite a bit in these three years. Matter of fact, y'all might not know or see it because I, let me just be real. Sometimes, like, I'm, y'all know I'm a pretty private person. I'm trying to learn how to share certain aspects and things that are valuable. You know what I'm saying? But it could be very vulnerable for a private person to share their business. Because then sometimes you feel like, oh, should I have said that? Like, okay, that come off a certain type of way. You know, people judge you. You know, if I tell you something, then you judge me. Now I'm arrogant. Now I just like to keep my business to myself. But I am learning, like, part of the beauty of this community. Is y'all know me, y'all been rocking with me for three years. If you knew, just give it some time, you know what I'm saying? But I think y'all know the intention of information to share here. I really don't tell y'all 90% of anything, because the last thing I want is you in my business. All right, let's keep it moving. So as we talk about like the process, and I know a lot of people struggle, so this is this is the first jewel right here. You know what I'm saying? Just get ready to catch it. A lot of people these days wanna go viral, they wanna blow up. You know, it's just like, you know, I have this podcast. There's something that you're doing in your life, something that you've been striving to do, whether you make music or whether you wrote a book or whatever it is. And we struggle because quantity has eclipsed quality as like the most desirable thing. So most people want, for instance, yo, if I drop a YouTube video, I want a million people to see it, a hundred thousand people to see it. Now, what doesn't get captured is when you see a, a YouTube video that say something like a million views. It might not say, oh, but five hundred thousand of these were people who watched the first three seconds and then hit skip on the ad, right? That's not a quality view. What I'm trying to get people to see is that we should be going deeper, not wider. And what I mean is that we should be reaching people, we should be striving to reach people at a deeper level, right? So that's what I at least strive to do with this podcast. Hopefully, I'm somewhat successful. The goal is to reach you deeper versus trying to reach so many people. Oh, I'm the biggest podcast in the world and this, that, and the other, and there's no depth, right? And I'm not, look, I'm just focusing on what we do here at Inspire Guys People. I'm not taking shots to nobody else. But my point is, Although it is great to grow and to have a bunch of people listening and all those things, and I'm grateful by the grace of God, man, we reaching, you know, 10 to 12 countries a week. And, like, there's a lot of cool things that have happened. But I've really tried to focus on the process. Like I told y'all, I want to go vid visual video one day with my podcast. But right now, I just, I really don't have the time to do it. I'm a one-man uh, show right now. Um, editing, all those things, and I would rather do it right. So I'm not saying it's not coming soon. That's really a goal for 2022. But ultimately what I'm saying is like, all right, I may, I may not, it may be a group of people out there I'm not reaching because I'm not visual yet, but the goal is really to, to, to connect with you in a deeper way. 
That's why we have things like our text community um, where we send out video, a video, you know, once a month or something. And by we, I mean me. But my point at the end of the day is, okay, here's my example, and then I'm done with this topic. I think I thought about Mr. Miyagi. Y'all know I love certain movies, especially like late 80s, early 90s movies from when I was growing up. Those are amazing. The Karate Kid is one of my favorite movies of all time. I feel comfortable saying that. I love The Karate Kid. Love Back to the Future, but let's focus on The Karate Kid right now. When I look at The Karate Kid, some of the things that I picked up on that movie are Mr. Miyagi only has one student. Think about that. Daniel comes to Mr. Miyagi. He doesn't know karate at all. He's getting beat up, battered and bruised, right? Daniel doesn't need to go to a dojo with a thousand students because he needs a certain level of focus. So like, for instance, this podcast is for everyday regular people who need some attention. You don't need gossip. You don't need somebody that's just going to talk about the next trending topic every week and all that. It might be funny. It might be all these things. It might scare you. But you need somebody that's like walking with you, that's focusing, that's giving you direct feedback and things that you can grab. You are Daniel's son. This show is Mr. Miyagi. What am I saying? You have to approach your business as like, if I approach this podcast as Mr. Miyagi, I'm able to focus on all the Daniels that are a part of this community. And maybe it ain't as many Daniels as it is somewhere else at another podcast or something, but I need to focus and you have greater results. So that's why Daniel ran through in the tournament all the students of the, the bigger dojo with more experience because he had detailed custom training that was specific for him. So whether you're a Daniel or whether you're Mr. Miyagi in your life, and you we're interchangeable, right? Sometimes you're the student, sometimes you're the teacher. Here's my advice. When you are the teacher, focus on the student. Don't overlook Daniel because your overall goal is to grow. And some of us, that's what we do. I want to grow. I want to get here. I want to do this. So you overlook the small details in the process. So if you're Daniel, then this is what I want you to do. Listen to the teacher. Sometimes there's people in that position of Daniel where God has blessed you with someone who's trying to reach you at a deeper level, someone that he sent customized for you to give you exactly what you need, but you're too busy following the trends. You're too busy following. You look into the left, like, oh, what they doing over there? That dojo got more people. I want to go and beat. Because, look, we want to be in big crowds. That's, what we, that's how we are sometimes. But sometimes God has set you aside and set you apart so that he could develop and work on you and take you through your process to refine you so that when it's time for you to come out and go to the tournament and everybody is there, you done wash cars, you done painted fences. You got to watch Karate Kid, the original one, if you want to know what that reference is about. But you've done all these small things to prepare for the bigger moment. But when you were doing those small things, it was nobody there but you and your teacher. Don't despise the small beginnings. Don't despise the uh, Don't uh. I'm sorry. Let's take it to the next topic. All right, what we got? All right, this is a quick story I want to tell y'all. This happened last week, man. This this is hilarious to me. Um, 
I had to work with this lady um, in the downtown Detroit area. And, um, you know, I, what, what happened is, you know, I'm a national manager and I was going to help the local team in the market. So it's like, you know, going to spend a day with them. And I used to be in this local market, too. So I love when I get a time uh, opportunity to go in the Detroit market, especially downtown, because back in 2011, I was the local rep in Detroit downtown. And um, it was just cool because Detroit is a city that has gone through a lot of change the last 10 years. So I was really feet on the ground for my organization and developing partnerships in the community and, um, you know, selling the businesses and things like that. So to see where it's at now, is always cool for me because I was, you know, not only do I live here, but I really worked down there uh, for a, for some years, five or six years um, on the ground. So. All right, this lady, she hit me up like, hey, we were meeting in the morning and I guess she don't spend a lot of time downtown. But because, again, I work down there so much, I know like downtown, you got to find a good spot. You got to know where to park. You got to know where to go. Like, And so I got my little things that I do when I'm down there. I got my parking spots where I where I park, where I know I can walk and get to places pretty easily. So she asked me, this is what's funny. She asked me, like, hey, where do you park or da-da-da? I'm like, all right, cool. So I gave her the layout. This is where I park. You can meet me over here. We can meet over here. Like, cool. I'm working with you. This is your territory, but I'm telling you where to go. Okay, that's telling me. Anyway, let's skip over that. She might li listen to this one day. Very nice lady. Much love to you. If it's you, God bless you. Um, so, Peep. I'm, she, call, she got there like five minutes before me. She calls me like, hey. I'm in such and such parking lot. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Which is not the parking lot that I told you I park in, but that doesn't bother me because you're an adult. You could park where you want to park. So I'm like, cool, I'll be there in five minutes. I'm going to the spot I told you I was going to. This is what she says to me. She said, oh, well, I would be more comfortable if you park over here. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I like parking over here. So I'll meet you down there. And we got off the phone. What is my point? My point is people will control you if you let them. This is something that corporate America has really, um, an area that has really allowed me to grow in because I'm the person that has to be mentally prepared. Like if you catch me off guard with something like that, I find myself parking where she said park because I'm not, because I wasn't ready. Like I didn't know it was going to be this mad aggressive moment with parking, but Hey, through the years, I've grown, and once I kind of felt like, oh, learn, like, this is how people are, at least in the organization I work in, they're very aggressive people you deal with every day. And I'm not necessarily naturally an aggressive person, even though I do think that could be argued. People who know me and are close to me probably would say otherwise. So I'm not going to argue or debate that. My point is this. I was just thinking about how in life, like, sometimes Christians struggle with standing their ground because we somehow believe that humility equals weakness. So it's like, oh, I'm humble, so I'm weak. And one thing that I've learned and I want you to think about, right, this is the second jewel that I'm dropping, is like don't allow the enemy to mistake your humility for weakness, meaning you just because you're a believer in a Christian, you're not out out looking for violence or trouble or argumentative or like you're not looking for those things. But at the end of the day, you have to be prepared to stand your ground when people bring things to you to want to control you. 
especially when they don't make sense. It's like, ma'am, you asked me where to park. If you were uncomfortable parking somewhere, you should have came where I was at. I don't, you don't get to control me. And I know this probably sounds like a small thing, but if I'm like, if y'all really knew how much this happens in corporate America with the smallest things, like I'm talking about this lady a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. We were working on this presentation together, a deal that I brought her into her side of the organization. I brought them into it. We are in the deal. I'm working on the deck and designing the deck. And, you know, we work, we were working in Microsoft Teams where we could work live in PowerPoint. So you can make updates live. I could see them vice versa. I go in a deck that I created. And I noticed that a logo was different than what I put in. And so I asked her, I was like, did you change that logo? She was like, yeah. I was like, okay, next time I would like you to, to bring it to my attention before you change something that I did. Number one, she put in a low-resolution logo. This frustrates me. I only use high-resolution, transparent background logos, um, vector files if possible, um, or a PNG. So it's like, you know, clearly you don't even know how to do design, but you just, like, people are aggressive. So um, I want you to check out, uh, I don't know if it's still there, but there's this documentary called Push that was on Netflix. I watched it maybe five years ago. So I don't know if it's still there, but it's a really interesting documentary that shows you just how much trouble you can find yourself in if you're too compliant. If you're if you are if people can easily get you to comply with what they want to do, it's probably a little more dangerous than you think, because what ends up happening is that compliant people, I guess you kind of can be a people pleaser. But you can look up and be in a very bad situation. And that documentary could do a better job of bringing that to life than I can. But, hey, I'm just telling y'all it's something that I'm conscious of in any area of life. If you want me to do something, explain it to me. Make it make sense for me. But I'm not just giving you compliance over my lifestyle or my, like, you're not just going to have me parking anywhere because you want me to park there if I want to park somewhere else. So, Anyway, check out the documentary Push. Um, I think that's what it's called. I probably should have did some more research on that and wrote down like who is by and all that. But hopefully you can go on Netflix or on YouTube or something, put in Push documentary and check that out. All right. All right. Let's move it on. Next jewel that's about to drop. The importance of being united by faith. This is something that y'all been hearing me say all year. And typically I'm this type of person for all the new listeners out there. There are times that I just try to hear what the Lord is saying and where he's leading me. And I stick to that. Last year, it was all about don't leave the pandemic empty handed. This year is and last year was all about being united by faith. That was where the idea kind of sparked the first time I kind of felt led on that. But it has strengthened this year, along with take your own advice, something that I'm living by right now. Take your own advice, meaning I could come on this show in different places and I can try to get people I can make points to try to. Um, you know, give other people the blueprint for, you know, some of the moves that I'm making or things that I'm doing, feeling lit. But what the Lord really convicted me in is like, how dare you try to do a better job at convincing other people than following me for yourself with that same energy. So I'm all about taking my own advice this year from the standpoint of like, hey, when you have strong convictions and the Lord is leading you somewhere, 
You don't have to wait on other people or you should not even just wait on other people to follow God. It's like, okay, I'm willing to lead you, but I'm also willing to leave you if it means I have to follow Christ. What do I mean by that specifically? If God has called me to do something like, let's just say, get my finances together, right? I hadn't even, this ain't even written down. I'm giving y'all extra stuff right now. But if the Lord led me to get my finances together, which he did back in like 2012 to start my process. And here I am nine years later and the process has developed and the goals have changed and the strategy has evolved and things have adapted and just all type of things. So what's my point? I can remember, and I'm just giving y'all specific examples. All right. I can remember that when I first was on this journey of like trying to get my finances together, because I had realized the importance as a married man to lead my family, me and my wife, our future children set ourselves up for the best opportunity and success that we could have in the future. I realized this in 2012, first of all, that I was failing in this area. Oh, we talk about know thyself. That's another thing that I'm talking all year long or the rest of the year at least. Know thyself. Part of knowing thyself is understanding your weaknesses. I'm not a person that believes that I just get to ignore my weaknesses and only think that I'm just this dope, great person. No, I realized back in 2012, I looked in the mirror instead of just looking out the window. Most of us want to look out the window and point the finger. We should be looking in the mirror before we look out the window. It's all type of jewels dropping right. Are you catching the jewels? All right. What's my point? When I was real with myself about my situation and said, you know what? You're not doing a good job leading your family. It's really on you um, because God has called you to be the leader. And as long as you keep doing it this way, the household is going to go this way. I need you to change your ways. I need you to realize your flaws and your weaknesses. Also need you to understand that you grew up in poverty. You grew up in the inner city where things are done a certain way in a community that does things a certain way when it comes to finances. And the reality of it is you're playing a different game than people who are successful. And it's not because, Jermaine, you don't have the ability, right, to play in the game and to get in the game. But do you have the persistence, the desire, and the, the willingness to give the effort? Long story short, when I first started that path, I, I wasted most of my time trying to convince other people that they should be doing it. So the Lord had opened my eyes, and I'm like, hey, y'all, look, we need to be saving. Hey, we need to be doing this. I, my family, I was getting on their nerves. Some of y'all probably listening now like, oh, my God, he used to get on my nerves or still get on your nerves, and I, I appreciate the honesty. What's my point? I was doing this. I was like this for years where the Lord would give me a direction and I would put my energy into trying to translate the direction to other people, the vision. And the problem with that is it's not that I wasn't also following what he was calling me to do. But if I'm being honest, I might have been giving 75 percent to God, giving 25 percent to them. And waiting on them to catch up so I can get a, give the Lord the other 25%. Here's what I learned when it talks about taking your own advice and knowing thyself. 
Know thyself, recognize the flaw, and change the flaw. Repent, understand where you fell short. No problem. We all do it, including me. It's a constant thing. I have to constantly repent, constantly look in the mirror, constantly recognize my flaws. Know thyself, right? But then take your own advice is, all right, Jermaine, the Lord has called you to this. So are, I know you're willing to lead them, meaning, because see, to me, I don't want to go somewhere and my friends and family could have went with me. And it's like, dang, I don't want to see people struggle, right? But what I realized is I have to make a decision that am I going to wait for you to follow God or am I going to follow God and I could still leave you breadcrumbs along the way? This podcast is part of the breadcrumbs. Part of the reason I talk about these things is to give people the blueprint. It, no matter, and I might fail, right? But wherever I go in life, if somebody want to say, how did he do it? My goal is that you could push play from episode one and the blueprint for everything that I've applied is, in, is wrapped up in all of these shows. So I'm willing to lead you, right? I got breadcrumbs. I got a podcast. I'll record every week. I'll give it effort, but I'm also willing to leave you. Understanding that I still have to go where God is calling me to go. So take your own advice. Know thyself. Understand that you have to look in the mirror and correct your flaws, but you also have to be willing to leave other people in order to follow Christ, not with the intention to leave them because you want to leave them. That's why you leave breadcrumbs behind, but it's just saying to them, I can't wait on you to live in my purpose. Now, I said all that to say, the topic I was supposed to discuss was being united by faith. All right. And here's what I want to say about that. First of all, let's just take a look at the Bible, right? Uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter three. Going to look at two verses, 24 and 25. Now, ultimately what's happening here, let me just build a little bit of the context, right? Cause I'm looking at kind of an indirect or slightly different view of the scripture. Um, so I just want to be sure that I paint the context correctly. Um, ultimately, Jesus is being accused in this moment, right, of like, you know, by the uh, by the teachers of religious law, like they're saying that Jesus is possessed by Satan. Like that's where he's getting the power to cast out demons. So it's basically like, hey, Jesus is casting out demons. They looking like, nah, bruh, that's because he a demon. And so Jesus makes this point now. Also understand that, no, I'm, I'll say the point first. Verse 24 and 25. Jesus says, um, basically in 23, he says, how can Satan cast out Satan? All right, so that's verse 23, one forward from what I said. How can Satan cast out Satan? But then he says in 24 and 25, these really, really uh, powerful principles, I believe. He says, a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. 25. Similarly, a family splintered by fueling will fall apart. So although Jesus was using this as an example um, to combat the idea that he would be a demon or part of Satan's army, he's making this point of like, yeah, that doesn't make sense because, you know, a house divided can't stand. Right. Civil war will destroy and collapse something. A family that is fueling, uh, I mean, feuding will fall apart. So those are the principles I really want to focus on in this really quick, this quick take right here. When I look at the church 
in the world today, even the country, America, that I live in, right? And I know, again, the, the show reaches multiple countries, so I have to be mindful sometimes. I speak from an American standpoint, and I don't know the dynamics of everyone's country, so this may or may not apply. But here's a couple things that I've noticed over the last two years is that, and it's not that this hasn't already always existed, but I've seen it heightened over the last couple years, is that there's a lot of division within. So for me, within America, and then also within the church. So what I've seen is that these outside factors really driven by the world and their narrative um, and I say the world because we, you know, a lot of these news and media sites, they're not driven by Christian principles, right? And we put this ultimate trust in the news and media platforms because of their reputation and because of their marketing efforts. But when you really look at it from the way they filter through the news, they're looking for stories and things that are clickbait and, and that make you watch, Right. Their goal isn't necessarily to bring you the truth, but somehow we believe that. So what that has basically created is this interesting dynamic of like, hey, let's create contention. Let's pin people against each other. And it's based on different things. We saw this unravel last year um, by way of race. There was a lot of focus on race last year, right? In the, in the world, I can't even say the country. Um, and so there was, let's put black versus white primarily, as well as some other minority groups and things like that, at least based on American standards, minority groups. Let's put, let's pin these two groups against each other. And with this ultimate goal of the timing, because you got to look at the timing of we really need people to be on one side or the other so they can vote a particular way, right? And so we don't want people to be friendly. We don't want them to hold hands and be kumbaya and to be united because we really need clear lines of distinction so that people can vote with emotion and anger, right? And so we saw a lot of things trigger racial tensions in America last year. Now, again, I'm not here to get into all the details of all those things. I'm only speaking from a macro level and I'm just spitting facts right now, okay? And so at the end of the day, there was all this contention. And then that race also translates into politics, right? So you have really a strong, um, a really high percentage of African-Americans that are um, at least traditionally on the Democratic or liberal side of the fence, although there are a lot of them that are Republicans as well, um, or a lot of us. Um, but and when I say us, I mean black people. I'm, I don't I'm not a part of a political party. So that's not where this is coming from. But, hey, if you have whites over here and blacks over here, all lives matter versus black lives matter. We did an entire episode on that. So feel free to scroll through and listen to it. But you create all this contention and division. Right. Here's the number one issue. The rest of the world is watching. So when there's a civil war, then the house will collapse. Right. It will. The kingdom will fall. That's biblical principle from Jesus himself. And so what I'm looking at is like, man, it would be the equivalent of a husband and wife putting their arguments on social media. Why would me and my wife openly argue and debate on social media for the world to see, for the world to choose sides so that 
dudes could choose her side, girls could choose my side, there'd be people all over the world trying to break us up. My point is we would eventually fall. That's not a safe, like you have to protect certain things because the enemy's watching. Now, I'm gonna wrap this up pretty quickly. The rest of the world, there, like, I don't know if we live in the reality of how the world works. There are countries that want to overtake America. China being one of the primary ones who wants to become the economic world leader. That is what China wants to do. And that is kind of what they're on pace to do if you're watching, right? That's also where these dynamics of COVID come in and all of these controversies and conspiracies around where it came from or didn't come from. And it starts getting confusing because all the news stories get thrown out all these different ways. But what I'm telling you is ultimately at the end of the day, these countries don't like America. They want to overtake us. But America is openly arguing for the world to see, which you have to step back and ask yourself a question. Does it make America stronger or weaker to be in front of their enemies? Ah, Black Lives Matter. Oh, all lives matter. Ah, Republican. Ah, Democrat. Not being able to ever work together, but openly just destroying one another, which is ultimately weakening our own home. All right. Now, in addition to that, I've watched the church get involved in these issues passionately. Okay. I'm not here to judge whether how people get involved in issues. Here is the concern for me as a believer. I have not seen the church this passionate on biblical issues. I haven't seen it. I, I, I'm just speaking from a macro level. I'm not saying your church or you. I'm saying from a big picture perspective, when you step back and look at it, when have you seen the church this passionate about something that is in the Bible directly, this passionate about worshiping Christ, this passionate about brothers and sisters coming together to do the will and the work of the Lord, this passionate about their faith. I don't see it at this level. So what's happened? The church at a macro level is also becoming weaker. What do I mean by becoming weaker? I mean that a lot of the laws and things that are passing are more for an anti-biblical and opposite of the Bible kind of perspective and stance. The world is becoming the leading voice on politics, on faith, on your children, on gender, right? Like the world is becoming the leading voice. And this all happens when the standards and principles of what really established America start changing. Understanding that there are some things wrong with America, some things that need to be handled, some things that could be talked about amongst family, amongst friends. It's like this. I could talk about my family. <laughs> you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like my brother might, you know, I'm, I might say something over my mama house and my brother might be like, man, I might leave and they might be like, man, Jermaine be tripping, right? Okay, that I'm their brother. I'm their son. They can say that. You can't say that to them. So what am I saying? Ultimately, here's the message I'm trying to put out. We need to be united by faith. If you find yourself being so triggered and emotionally ran into the ground and emotionally charged as a believer, and I'm not saying, listen, righteous indignation is a powerful thing. It's beautiful. But my question is, are we sure that what we're passionate about is what Christ was passionate about? 
You can't know that unless you're reading the word, unless you're applying the word. And that's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to biblical principles where I don't care if you're a Jew or a Gentile. If you are, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you are my brother and my sister in Christ. And we need to find a way. If I'm black and I come from the hood and I got all of these embedded thoughts and things in my mind and you white and you come from, you know, the suburbs or you come from wherever, we need to be able to talk. Right. But because our cultural differences are so great and they're being amplified in the media and in the world, the church is buying into it, which is bringing division into God's church. And I don't know about you. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. That means arms and legs are connected. The body is disconnected. A body that's disconnected ain't a body. So you think you're going to be the arm over here and I'm going to be the leg over here and we on different sides. No, we need to be one body, many, many members following and serving Christ. Because if we continue to allow the world to push this narrative of division, and I'm just, I'm wrapping it up. I see a lot of believers buying into it. I see us bringing it to the pulpits. And look, I'm not judging or anything. What I'm saying, though, is we need to bring wisdom along with it. And can we ultimately say that we are doing the work of Christ or are we doing the work of the world? Are we pushing the agenda of the world? Where did the, the, the philosophies and things that we're following come from? Or are we just following our feelings? Because this feels right. Hey, open up the borders. Let everyone in because that feels right. Let's not consider who they are, what they're about. Let's not even process them. And it's interesting the way I see things developing because it's like, well, wait a minute. We're mandating our citizens and people to get something like the vaccination. We're opening up borders and, oh, y'all don't have to get it. So it's, listen, man, I'll end this like this. At the end of the day, it is very important to be able to push all of these things aside and find a way to focus on Christ. And if Christ is not the center of these things, even in your politics or your views, if Christ is not the center and you're not praying and seeking him, it doesn't mean we can't disagree. It doesn't mean you have to agree with me or you have to vote how the next person vote. It just means that that shouldn't be the deciding factor of whether or not we can be cordial, whether or not we could be brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're a believer and I'm a believer, that should be our core. But we've allowed the world and these other things to be how we identify ourselves more than how we identify ourselves through Christ. And I am one that believes that we need to be united by faith because together we are stronger. All right, look at us. We moving along to another topic. I told y'all this is the epitome of quick takes. I'm just, uh, we got a handful of jewels and we dropping them. Got a handful of jewels and I'm dropping them. Hey, hey. Anyway, what's the next topic? Oh, let's keep it in the Bible. We're going to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I think we're going to check out verses 6 through 10. I am reading from the New Living Translation. If you're following along, please do email me and let me know what you think of the show. Let me know which jewels you picked up and let me know which ones you threw back. JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. You can find that in the description of the show. You could also just DM me on Instagram or Facebook or things like that. Also comment on YouTube, which uh, I'm horrible with the YouTube, y'all. It's just part of the process. When I get into the video more consistently, I'll figure out how to build some consistent YouTube content. But it's very challenging to do. I'm not going to sit here in front. I know myself. 
I know my weakness. All right. Second Thessalonians. Now, before I jump into this, let me just say this. Um, I made a post, I think, last week. I forgot exactly how I worded it, but it was just something. Oh, I said two, two words that people ignored all summer long. Now hiring. <laughs> That's all I said. I didn't even say what I felt about it. Um, this is always an interesting thing because I like talking um, at abstract sometimes on social media, mostly because it gives me an opportunity to see how people think and just leave things open ended. Also, I was also always inspired by the fact that Jesus talks in parables and he gave his disciples the reason why he talks about in parables in the Bible. I've always been intrigued by that. And so I've kind of I adopted that. That's one of the when I started purposely being abstract, it was like, I'm like, oh, Jesus is abstract. He talks in these parables so that those who truly follow him will understand, but those who don't will be confused. I like that idea. So sometimes I talk abstract. I'm not saying I talk in parables, but I just like to present things in a way that is like, oh, cool. Let me just lay this out and see how you respond. Of course, a lot of people thought it was funny. Uh, some people were upset. It's always interesting to me when people get upset just off of a statement, especially when it's kind of true. Um, when you look at the employment rate in America um, and what some of these jobs and organizations are trying to do just to attract applicants. Um, I mean, some organizations have record low applicants in the last year. Right. I ain't even get to the detail of why or none of that. I just said those two words people ignored, And um, a couple people got charged up. Right. And they you know, made these points about, yeah, well, some people, you know, started a business and this, that. And I'm like, hey, look, here's one thing I understand. I'm not here to argue with anyone, but I think it's really important to understand how the world and the economy works. And sometimes my concern is people are following their feelings, but they don't know how the world works. So I'll give one example. As the debt mounts up in America, right, we are continually taking on debt. So like when you, when a country prints up money, which I think in 2020, um, I think it was 2020 or 21, I think it was 2020, America printed up 40% of the money that's ever been printed by America, period. So think of that. 40% of the money that was ever printed or created by America was printed last year. That is a staggering statistic because the country is in debt, right? And you have to pay that debt and what happens is we in trillions of dollars of debt. I don't know the exact number. I, you can literally search it really quickly online. Um, just put in like American debt, um, the United States debt in Google. What's my point? Well, our country works a lot like human beings. Like you can't just mount up bills and not pay it, right? That You got bad credit, you, you know, whatever. You ha have a bad credit, that means you have a weaker personal economy. And remember how I said previously in the last topic, like China wants to overcome us as an economic power. They want to be the world economic leader. And there's a lot of things about how the world works when like your workforce and employment rate that that it, that strengthens your economy as a country. Right. Like that's money flowing into your system. Then like you have money for things like your military, like all these like I mean. The budget, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's hard to start unpacking some of this stuff and keeping it at a high level without going down a rabbit hole. I'm trying to keep it high level. My point is this. When you understand how the world actually works, then you start understanding that I need to be a contributor 
not just the consumer. And so, look, I'm not mad at anyone who was able to leverage things like the stimulus check or whether it's your unemployment, whatever you got to do. What do I mean by leverage? Mean, meaning you took that to get ahead in some kind of way. So you invested it. You did something. You took care of some bill. You would now again. I know this really ranges because people would be like, "Well, I couldn't afford to do that. I had to get, I had to get food, all that." Like, I'm with you. I'm rocking with you. I'm not talking about people who couldn't do better or have extreme situations or circumstances. I'm talking about most people, the average people. Average people could have leveraged some of the things that were available last year. But what some people did is just took it as an opportunity to abuse it or like not get ahead. What do I mean ultimately? If you think it's always going to be like that, like you could just not work and the country's going to print you money, the country isn't going to have money. Like things like Social Security, these things are at risk of systems being broken. Things that we have depended on and been taught to be dependent on may not be there in the future. And I don't know if the everyday ordinary Joe is understanding this, understanding the impact of you getting a lot of free money and the country taking on that debt. I'll give you one example. That's where inflation comes from. It just means you're going to pay more now for a bag of chips or um, a pack of chicken in a grocery store or whatever. Like, we're going to see in the next couple years that, oh, that's just reallocated to higher prices. You're going to pay more for gas and things like that. You're also now your dollar is weakened because as things are more expensive, one dollar goes not as far as it used to. Oh, I used to take a dollar. Listen to my grandma talk. I take a dollar to the store. I bought 700 pieces of candy, two pops and some chips. Well, you can't do that anymore because of inflation. The dollar isn't as strong as it used to be which means that economically we become weaker, all right? I'm going to get off this soapbox. But my point here is, as believers, be careful not to take on a lazy mentality or an entitled mentality or a dependent mentality because the problem with the dependent mentality is when you give over your dependency to someone, you also give over your freedom. And that's why People could come out and force things and say, hey, you know, if you don't do this, then this. And it's like, oh, man, well, I got to eat, so I got to do this. Because that's a level of control and slavery that happens when you make people dependent on you. So we have to be free. We have to be independent if we can be. There are opportunities for you to rise above your circumstances. But if you stay in the cycle and you keep doing what's always been done, you're going to always get what's always been gotten. All right. Now let's get to the Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So this is coming in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. Verse 7. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. American Idol. Woo! That would have been a dope title for this. American Idol. Like American I-D-L-E versus Idol. I- Woo! American Idol. I'm, I don't know. I'm like, is that the title? Is it, is it the title? American Idol dropping jewels. Okay, that might be the title. Y'all might have just heard. This is, this is how it happens, right? Um, 
Let's credit the Bible for that. I just saw that word idol. Like, stay away from all believers who live idol lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. For you know that you ought to imitate, imitate us. When we were with you, we were not idle when we were with you. Verse 8. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. Verse 9. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. An example to follow, y'all. Verse 10 says this. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. This is the command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Woo! American idols. Those who are not willing to work are not going to eat. This is something. Now notice, like I want you I want to do something. I want to free you cuz this is what happens when we talk about things like this. Let me breathe. Let me free you from how the enemy wants to get people charged up negatively. People instantly go to extreme examples when you talk about things like this. Oh, well, my uncle only got one arm and he can't. Well, we're not talking about your uncle. Well, what about the kids over in this country that we're not talking about them? They represent 0.01 point whatever and probably didn't even receive a stimulus check. My point is this. It's very dangerous to go to these extreme measures of examples when you want to dispute a point because you just want to be comfortable doing what you've always done. Know thyself. What's, what do I mean? Step back and think. Man, the Bible is literally saying I should not be idle. I-D-L-E. I should not be sitting around collecting and doing nothing. That's Bible. That's not me talking. I need to be a contributor. They said, when we were with you, we weren't idle. It even gone on, went on to say we had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to be an example. Listen, y'all, all I'm saying is this. I'm not judging anybody's situation. And again, keep in mind, receive this in context. If you leverage something, I'm not mad at that. What do I mean by leverage again? means you had a plan and you strategically um, were able to... to um, Take advantage of something in a positive way to allow you to do something else that was purposeful. So I have no problem with that. That's a plan. That's a strategy. But idle means to do nothing. There's a saying that says the idle time is the devil's playground. So when you allow yourself to be idle, you got to see the connection. God doesn't want us doing nothing, but the devil does. Because the more idle I can get y'all, the more I can get y'all brainwashed by this TV station, brainwashed by this TV station, brainwashed by that uh, political party, brainwashed by this political party. I can sit you down and have you on social media all day. Now social media is your doctrine. Now social media is the word. Now the memes are preaching to you. I've changed your philosophy because you're idle. God doesn't want us idle. A lot of us just want to be American idols. Like, we just want to be, hey, man, I just hit me with a stimmy. I'll sit back, watch TV all day. Never thinking to change my situation. I want, you to, I, want to ask, I want you to ask yourself something. 
has God given me the ability to change my situation? I'm not saying you, like, I have the power that it's all because of me that, you know, I changed my situation. It's me. No. What I'm saying is, are you recognizing the gift and the ability that God gave you? If you were drowning and the Lord sent the ship to save you, you would be a fool to try to keep swimming. Just get in the ship. God has gifted us so many times with the, with the abilities to overcome our situation. But because we are idle, we are not in the process to understand how to sharpen our toolkit. Look, man, I, I've been telling my wife lately, I just thank God that I'm in the game. See, that's the thing for me. Like, there were times when, when I was like bad credit, wasting money on all type of stuff. Then opportunities would come and I couldn't take advantage of them. I wasn't in the game. Some of us wonder why do opportunities keep passing me? It's because you're trying to time the opportunity perfectly. But you need to prepare for the opportunity in advance. You're not going to time an opportunity purposely, uh, perfectly. I can talk. So, so let, me, let, me, let me pause right there and, and, and give. I'm going to just give a little bit of, this is not financial advice, but just some financial opinion and some, some of my personal philosophies, right? These are things that I learned, not things that I always had, things that I had to change, right? So let's just take something like $1,000. I remember when I was younger, you give me $1,000. First thing I would think about is, well, what are all the things I want that I could spend my $1,000 on? You know, the term money burning a hole in your pocket, right? You got all these things you want. See, so what would I used to do? I used to go out and just buy everything I want. I worshiped my wants. We talked about that on the previous episode. Worship my wants, right? All the, and I noticed something about me. I always want something. <laughs> It ain't never a time. I want stuff right now. It's never a time that I don't want anything ever. Never been a time that you put some money in my pocket or whatever. And I didn't want something. Right. But I used to worship my wants. But I realized the pattern in my life, like as I'm worshiping my wants, and this could also apply to ourselves spiritually. Right. And this is where I love talking about finances, because if you really listen to the principles, they're biblical principles. There's a time I'm living in sin. I worship my wants. Just do what I want to do, right? I want to do it. I feel like doing it. I do it. That drives me further and further away from Christ, right? So in that same way, at some point, I have to stop and know thyself, know my own weaknesses, my problems, and repent and turn away. So when I think about finances, this is something that I got from Joseph, right? Because in, the, in Genesis, when the story of Joseph, when God gave him the dream on how to save during the famine, he taught him how to prepare during the good times for the times that might not be so well, right? And so one of the things, just a simple thing that I do, it, anytime I get a lump sum of money, and a lump sum of money, I don't like to talk numbers with money because it just complicates things, and, and people have different opinions about what's a lot of money versus a little. It depends on your personal situation. So just think of whatever a lump sum of money is to you. Let's, for this example, use $2,000, okay? If I got $2,000 today, I would automatically save or invest 50% of that money. No questions asked, no way around it, automatically investing or saving 50%. That is how I prepare. That's how I ensure and limit my wants, right? Because I know the wants are going to be there. And what happens is when the, when the want is the first thing that you're allowing to kick in, 
Now your wants are, are taken away from your needs. And sometimes needs are not immediate. I know we think of needs as things like the bills, the what. See, some of us, ah, it's so much I want to say. It's just, we just dropping jewels, man. Like, it's so much I want to say because what, what ends up happening is we only view the immediate and we are, our lives are controlled about the, uh, about, and I can talk. About the, about the, anyway, our lives are controlled by our immediate lives. We don't have the discipline yet, but we working on it, right? We got to, this is why you in this process, right? You're getting strengthened. You have to develop the ability and the discipline to see life beyond the moment. The moment represents the micro. You need to step back and look at the macro and say, all right, I know in the moment my needs are lights, bills, food, or whatever. That's automatic. But have I been able to look at what my long-term needs are? I'm going to tell you what the importance of this is from a financial standpoint. If I only focus on the immediate needs, I live in the illusion that once the immediate needs are taken care of, any other money I have is extra and free for me to do what I want to do. This is why. Right off top, I take 50% up. And then what I tell my wife is this. This right here is for the future Jermaine and Tiffany. They are going to thank us one day. Because if I ignore them, right, if I don't prepare for them, like the most powerful part of right now isn't right now. It's the ability to impact the future. Can I rewind that? It was a jewel that just dropped. Did you catch it? The most powerful thing about right now isn't right now. It's about how right now impacts the future. Some of us, and this, let me just say this to you. I don't care how young you are, because what happens is the devil uses youth to make you think you have forever. I don't care how old you are, because what the devil does with, uh, with age is makes you think you have no time or it's too late. Let's get that out of your head. Let's stop trying to do it all today. Let's just start the process. Get in the game. You are in the game when you get your next check and you do the right thing. When you get a next bonus and you do the right thing. Listen, it don't take much to be in the game, y'all. If I give you $300 right now, it's time for you to get in the game and do the right thing with $150. But look, you don't even have to. This ain't about you following. I'm just giving you one example. I got a million things on this stuff. You don't have to do what I do. That's that's what I did. I'm not forcing you. I don't, I don't want to. I'm not putting my way on you. What I'm saying is you need to develop a strategy. I developed my strategy first by reading the word of God and then reading and learning financial books and self-development. And over years and years of practice, that's where this strategy came from. This is not just a feeling. It's not just something I made up. It's something that I've seen work. And so, again, I, the toughest part, is, and I'm just being real, just like statements like when I say talk about the economy or now hiring and things. You know what the most challenging thing for me is? Is that I can always tell when somebody is responding to me and they don't know what they're talking about, meaning they haven't studied it. Like, And that's the toughest thing is when you're trying to help people, like, you, you trying to be Mr. Miyagi, but Daniel think he got it all figured out. Here's my thing. I'm not saying I know it all, but if I practice karate and you ain't never done karate a day in your life, why would you try to teach me karate? 
You know when somebody talking that high voice, they really trying. Why would you try to teach me karate? My point is just like, yo, like it's so hard to help people. People are offended by help. Now they think you arrogant. Not like I don't know what the listen, y'all. Be when when I was at the beginning of that part of my rate, and look, there's other things that I'm still at the beginning on, other things I don't know. Know thyself. When I don't know something and someone else does, I'm listening. It don't mean I have to do what they say do verbatim, but God might give me something from what they're saying. But if I'm so arrogant and prideful that I'm too busy being offended by my teacher, how will I ever learn? It's so many people that are broke but want to give like financial advice. It's so many people that are super single. Like single, single, and then you want to talk to some uh, couple that's been married 30 years and you want to teach them all about how to stay married. It's like, listen, I, I'm not going to go to my grandparents and, and try to get them marriage advice. My wife's grandparents been married over 60 years. Like, I, look, you, teach me. Teach me. I want to talk to the granddaddy. How did you do it? Granddaddy, assuming that grandma is a little bit like granddaughter or vice versa. How did you do it, granddaddy? How'd you do it? What am I saying? I would look like a fool sitting with a couple that's been married 60 years and telling them like, this how you do it, dog. This is how you keep her happy. You know, he's going to be looking at me like, you young whippersnapper, you don't know nothing. And I don't know thyself. I have no problem being like, yo, when it comes to him, I'm the amateur. I'm the student. Some of us don't know when we should be a student. Humble thyself. You have to be a student at least sometimes. If you're like, if you're ever going to grow, man, there are people that I listen to and I listen. I have mentors and I'm like, I'm a sponge, right? Anyway, it's probably time to move on from that. Um, what else we got? I think we're going to move on to Q&A. One question. One question and we out of here. I can only hope that I've at least dropped one jewel that's worth catching today. And it's crazy. This is a quick take, but the idea behind this episode was quicker takes, but more of them. So it's still a longer episode. You know, I mean, we just, I don't, it's just what I felt led to do. Hopefully, hopefully it's good stuff, man. That's all I can hope for. Let me know though. Email me, Music at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about today's show. And let me know if you caught any of the jewels that were dropped in. Let me know if you want to throw some back. All right. This question is from Derek. I believe Derek is in Sweden. Thank you, Derek, for another question. Shout out to you. Much love. Um, one of the people that always support via email and always reach out. So I appreciate it. So, Derek, we're going to answer your question right here on the podcast. Sometimes I like to do that. So if you shoot me an email and I take two weeks to respond sometimes it's because i'm like oh that'll be something cool to add to the show so let's see what the question was he asked really a two-part question um what is the hardest thing in business that i had to deal with he brought up kind of my corporate job right and then he said how did i overcome it really good question bro um so hey let's like the hardest thing in business i had to deal with so you know, really, there were a couple of things, um, to be honest, when I when I really think about it, um, I'll focus on I'll focus on one. Um, and that was finding purpose in my work. 
So I came in corporate America, you know, right out of college, um, you know, 20-something years old. Um, at the time, I was still um, kind of traveling and doing music and wanting to kind of make it as an artist. I was in a group, a really dope group, uh, J&J Soul. So, you know, that was kind of going on, J&J Soul. I was young. And going to work felt more like a hindrance, to be honest. It was like, uh, I don't want to do this. Like, And I started very low entry level. So, you know, when you graduate college and having maybe an unrealistic expectation of like what having a degree means and you get in an organization and you at the bottom and you looking like, I got to do what? Like, this ain't what I went to school for. So that was really tough for me. Um, and it really took years for me, if I'm being real. I spent my first three to five years in corporate America every year saying, yeah, this is going to be my last year. This is going to be my last year. And really what happened for me was I got this promotion in 2011. Early 2011, I got this promotion. And that, that was really the first time that I felt like, okay, like I'm like, I was doing something business related. And so the the when you when you think about like, you know, the hardest, you know, thing I had to overcome in business, again, finding purpose in my work and really seeing who I was and what it was doing for me. I think so many times we view work as like, I go to work, I get a paycheck. And that's cool. That's part of it. But when that is, how can I put it? That might get you a certain to a certain point, right? So, and hey, if you early 20s, that might be enough. But by the time I was in my later 20s, it was kind of like, all right, I need to, I need to be doing something that's making me a better person. And when I started uncovering that in my job and in my work and started seeing like, you know, hey, if I'm being honest, it really started with getting to a point, staying in the organization for four or five years and getting a couple of promotions that made me feel like I was doing something that was good, that was professional, you know, got my first company car, you know, company laptop, company phone. And, you know, so like, just to be honest, that did impact me, like just feeling successful. And I'm a, I'm the type of person I like to be honest about that, man. Like as believers, sometimes I think as Christians, we struggle with practical and natural things sometimes. Like, yo, as a human being, you like to dress nice. When you dress better, you feel better. That's just one example of like, we try to act like it's everything deeper. Like, no, because the spirit, like, hey, bro, look, the, the truth of it is when I wear some Yeezys, I feel kind of dope. And what I mean by that is like, you know, so when I had a job that caused me to have to start dressing a little more casual and came with a company car, I felt a little better about going to work, had a little more money. Right. So one of the lessons there was I remained consistent, um, even though I wanted to quit and I couldn't see the outcome. It was like just by staying and seeing the progress, I allowed myself to get to the point by the grace of God um, to actually start doing something that felt good. And long story short, from there. And this is years, right? I mean, I'm telling you, this took years to happen. But once I started seeing the purpose in my work, so as an example, I started reading books on leadership, finances, all these things. And then I started seeing how my work actually prepared me for what I wanted to be ultimately. Um, it became less about me wanting to be an artist or 
make music or something. And it became more about me wanting to be a leader, wanting to be a businessman, regardless of whether I was, you know, in the, in any industry. It was like I started understanding that I want to be a businessman. I like doing business deals. I like negotiating and communicating with people. I like leading a team somewhere. So when my job started affording me those opportunities to see myself beyond the job, that was really like the beginning of me not seeing it as a hindrance. Um, And so what I say to anybody is try to find a purpose in your job. You know, if you're a cashier, be the best cashier. One beautiful thing about being a cashier, let's say if you're a cashier at Walmart and you're like, I don't see the purpose in this, I don't see the value. But let's think about this. As a cashier in, in Walmart, you get something that normal people don't get. You get a meeting with 100 people a day. I'm just using a, a number like 100. Let's say you ring up 100 people a day. You get a meeting with all those people. Now, 97 of those people are probably somebody that you don't really care to have a meeting with. But guess who goes to Walmart? Everybody from a business owner, um, uh, an executive, um, an influencer, um, a manager, uh, like a philanthropist. Everybody goes to Walmart. So here's the thing that you have. You have the opportunity to communicate with people. And I bet there are times as a cashier that you get a 30 second to 60 second meeting with somebody that other people would pay money to meet with. Somebody is dying to meet a person and you ringing up their milk and eggs. But if you have an attitude all day at work, you're never going to be able to uncover opportunities. So to me, it work is about opportunities presented, regardless of what your job is. There is some opportunity being presented that you just might not be able to see because you are seeing it as the job and you are not aware of who you are. See, I wasn't aware of who I was when I was complaining about my job all the time. But here's what happened. And again, this took years, so I'm not romanticizing it. Once I started seeing who I was and how the job had purpose in my life, I started making more connections in the job. Just organically, because it went from, hey, I just come here, I don't really want to be here and I'm out, to, hey, I love leadership. I read books about leadership. So what do you think started happening as leadership opportunities presented themselves, opportunities that in the past I was probably just blind to, is not that they were not presented. See, sometimes the opportunity is there, but we ain't there mentally. So As leadership opportunities started presenting themselves, I started taking advantage of them and started um, positioning myself, improving myself as a leader in the organization. And every opportunity created an, an every opportunity that I accepted in leadership created an opportunity for me to meet a leader. Ah, Y'all got to hear this. Y'all got to hear this. And I got to be a little specific just so because I want to be specific in answering this question just so. You know, Derek and anyone else who who's listening understands. I'm gonna give you an example. In 2015, it was my first time leading a team, and um, it was a small team. And the crazy thing was this: the job that I was given, I was given a job that was how can I put this? 
imagine if somebody came to you and they wanted you to be a supervisor, but they wanted to pay you just like a team member. Okay, so look, that was my position in 2015. I was asked to take on a leadership role without receiving a leadership title. Can can we just can we let that sink in? I'm dropping jewels, people. 2015, just six years ago, I was asked to be a leader, but I wasn't given a title. What did this mean? I literally onboarded a new team. I conducted all of the meetings. I created their training schedule. Um, I had their one-on-one calls. They, their, the meetings, the, they called me every day. I went out in the field with them. I had a team, but I wasn't a manager. Now, this is the beauty of opportunity. This was when I this is when I started seeing it, but I had put in years of of like learning, reading, understanding, right? Some of us, and me included in the past, if you didn't give me the money, I wouldn't want the opportunity. Pay me like a leader and then I'll be a leader. See, sometimes we want to put the cart before the horse. And there are times that the Lord wants you to be a leader before you paid as a leader. All right. Took that job. I remember I took that job and there was it, I had to choose between that and another job because I was about to leave um, the part of the organization I worked for because there was another opportunity. But anyway, we're not going to get into that. I stayed. In that job, I remember I had to I had to lead these tours. We had um, some individuals from headquarters coming in. Um, one was a CEO um, and one was a um, I think the title was vice president of a certain um, function of the organization. Global vice president, I should say. And I remember the lady came in, the global vice president, and I had to lead this part of the meeting in 2015 in this job that I'm not being paid as a manager, but I'm doing manager work. I had to prepare for this meeting and then lead, lead a portion of this meeting and present something out. And I remember I did that in 2015, met this global vice president, shook hands. We talked. She, you know, she she was real nice. I had a lot of respect for her. And then I saw her again. It would be three years later that I would see her again. I was in an event, a corporate event in Chicago, walked up to her, shook her hand. And she knew exactly who I was. And I'm like, how do you remember me? I literally said, like, do you really remember me? Because you're the global vice president. You meeting people all the time. She said, I remember you. I remember you had on that cool black jacket and you didn't have a beard then and such and such. And by the grace of God, new opportunities for me to connect with her were created in the future. So what's my point? The job that I took in 2015 before I was paid like a manager gave me opportunities to meet people in the organization that other people would have been dying for them to know their name. And I want to, I want to just wrap it up like this last year when the pandemic kind of happened and everything, everything was in the uproar and things, right. That same leader reached out to me and invited me to uh, a call with executives. Right. And I'm not an executive and we were on there and because I, I was willing to speak up, I was willing to kind of share some thoughts or whatever. I was then asked to be um, a leader on a leadership team for a corporate initiative at headquarters. Okay, cool. I did that. 
I did that last year and then got an opportunity to lead something else this year on top of now being a real manager. I've been a real manager now for a while now, right? What's my point? I want to sum it up. I know I said a lot. I'm sorry. I'm trying to give y'all enough to where you understand the the realness in these concepts that I'm talking about, right? Because in 2015, I took the job without the title. In 2021, I'm leading multiple functions and still giving opportunities to learn. Because some, some of the things I lead, um, and I'm like, man, I'm you know a higher level on th- than this team. Then there are things that I'm on a leadership team, and I'm the junior. I'm with all execs. And, with, and both of those opportunities have provided unique um Unique learning experiences. So, and they were provided by people I met. You, this, this is the part. And I'm, I'm only giving you pieces. I'm not even giving you everything I promise, but it's how God works. This ain't about me. This is about me really trying to convince you that when you operate in the purpose of God, when you accept that I am in my purpose at all times, I don't clock in and out of purpose. I live in purpose. I reside in purpose 100% of the time outside of being human and we fall and we sin and we repent and we make mistakes. I'm no different, right? What I'm saying, though, is when I fully accept my purpose, that it don't matter if I work at Walmart, it don't matter if I work at KFC or Taco Bell, it don't matter what I do and where I'm at, if I have a title or not, I don't need the title of leader to be a leader. I am a leader. And when I accepted that and started being a leader, God started creating opportunities for the title. And so now it's like, okay, I lead two teams right now by the grace of God. And what I'm saying is that all of the learning that I did over the last 10 years, every book I read, all all these experiences now become a part of real life where I want to lead with my people first. So I got all the, look, by the time I was really a leader, I already had the strategy for how I wanted to be. I already knew because I read a book um, by Liz Wiseman called Multipliers about two to three years ago. I already knew the type of leader I wanted to be. And so by the time the opportunity presented itself for me to be a leader, people, look, by the grace of God, the compliments or the the reaction was like, oh, like, I'm going to finish this. I had people. Before I had the title, literally questioning whether or not I could be a leader. That was the most frustrating thing in the world to me. I'm like, I'm the oldest of nine kids. I was born a leader. I don't know nothing else but being in the leadership position in my family from that standpoint. Not literally like my whole family, but amongst my siblings. But what I learned is that business is competitive. I'm not entitled. Okay, you want to know that I'm a leader? I'm going to show you I'm a leader. And I had to prove it through my work. And so that the way I overcame that is that I accepted my purpose and I started living it every day. And I'm lear- I'm still learning. I'm still living uh, my purpose at work, everywhere I go. And I'm still trying to grow as a leader in every aspect of my life. But this idea that we turn on and off our gifts and our purpose and our calling in life and who we are, that is holding you back because you won't just accept. That it doesn't matter. See, some of us use work as an excuse to operate outside of our purpose. Some of us go to work and we got nasty attitudes and you give us a mic at church and we speaking in tongues. And it doesn't make no sense. Until you stop doing that, you ain't never going to be who God called you to be until you be who God called you to be all the time. 
You can't be in purpose some of the time. To be in purpose some of the time is to be out of purpose all of the time. So what am I saying? I'm saying that, yes, there's going to be some hard things that we encounter. Yes, sometimes you're going to be um, forced to look in the mirror before you look out the window and realize like, oh, man, I'm not operating in purpose. I'm looking at my job as a hindrance. But this is the thing that God has used to bless me, to introduce me to people, to introduce me to more mentors and create opportunities for me to sharpen my skill set. Nothing sharpens me as a leader like work because I constantly have to literally lead people strategize, present things out. Like there's so much that I have to constantly do and still learn and still getting better at, still got opportunities to grow, but it presents those opportunities for it. Some of us say we want to be something and we never practice. Work becomes practice for my purpose. See, some of us like, I want to be a leader. What's well, like, well, when are you leading? I want to be rich. When are you, where are, the, where are the principles? What are you, like, when are you preparing for that? Because worshiping my wants wasn't making me wealthy. So I, and, and you're not going to become wealthy overnight, spiritually, physically, financially, anything. Right? You want some abs? Okay, I stopped eating cupcakes today and did six sit-ups. It don't, it, some of us do the littlest thing and want the biggest result. It's like, okay, kudos to you, Jermaine. You didn't eat a honey bun today. But if you want abs, you're going to have to do more than not eat a honey bun. What's my point, people? Sometimes we give ourselves too much credit for doing the bare minimum. Jews are dropping, yeah, yeah. Jews are dropping, yeah, yeah. The Jews are jumping. <laughs> Y'all ain't catching them, now. All right, man, I think I'm about done. I think I have dropped um, every jewel in my pocket today, every jewel in my hand, whatever. Um, They've been dropped, man. Hopefully you pick some up. I appreciate y'all for rocking with this podcast. We are about to be three years old. October 10th, Inspire Guys People, the podcast turns three. I don't have nothing special planned or nothing like that. I really don't. You know, I could make something up in the next two or three days, and we'll see if that happens. But I doubt it because I'm super busy. But by the grace of God, I'm able to talk to y'all. I just want to say thank you to every person who has ever listened to more than five seconds of this show. I want to ask you to do me a favor and share this episode with somebody who needs a couple jewels. Maybe they pick up one. Maybe they pick up two. Maybe it's one for them. And maybe it's something for you. But we dropping jewels. By the grace of God, man, I hope that something connects, something lands. Don't be shy. Talk to me. Email me. JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. Hit me up on social media. Message. DM. All that good stuff. You know, just let me know what you think about the show, man. Share this with somebody. Please give us ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and those type of things. If you listen somewhere where you could write a review, write a review. I mean, why would you not? Do me that favor. Um, but most importantly, man, live for God and walk in your purpose. Much love.